on TV and YouTube. Our talk show and music shows are featured on Our City TV, Suddenlink Channel 12, and have their own YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe to keep up with posted shows and comment on them below the video. Listen in Mondays at noon to hear Conroe news from local nonprofits, businesses, upcoming events, Conroe Park events, news stories, and information that matters to you with your host, Margie Taylor of Taylorized PR. For more information about being a guest, visit IRLoneStar.com slash Conroe Culture. What is homelessness? Have you seen parents struggle to find a job without having transportation or childcare? What about the children sleeping in cars with nothing to eat? Families shouldn't have to struggle to survive and children should not be homeless. Family Promise of Montgomery County serves the needs of homeless families and their children. Learn about ways you can help and learn about partnership opportunities at www.familypromiseofmc.org or call our day center at 936-441-8778. You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW Lopey Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Weekly Business Hour, and this is Rick Schisler, your host for the show. I'm also a Silver Fox advisor and the founder of OneBestConsult.com. I want to shout out to our friends in the Woodlands, a big howdy to them for all our listeners in the Woodlands. We have a lot of listeners there, and I appreciate their support. I appreciate their comments on the show, and I appreciate them sharing the show. You know, the weekly business hour now has spread itself out throughout the United States and even some places overseas since we're available on the Internet. We have videocast, podcast available, and it's quite humbling to be in that position. But we're here for small business. That's what this show is all about. And now I can honestly say businesses throughout the world, small businesses come here to talk about the latest in business news, ideas to improve their business, and be part of, I hope, a conversation that can make a real difference in their business. The show today is sponsored by one, that's the number one, bestconsult.com. Again, I'm the founder of onebestconsult.com, and its purpose, its vision is a place where small business people can come and have a conversation with their peers. And I would encourage you to take a look at that website, onebestconsult.com. It's a place where you will find like-minded business people. You'll find places to share your conversation. And if you want to talk with me, I'm available. I also offer my advising and mentoring services at onebestconsult.com. So I encourage you today, if you are of a mind to increase and improve and strengthen your business, then visit us at one, that's the number one, bestconsult.com. I want to remind everybody that the show is being broadcast live on uh, YouTube. Just go to the YouTube channel for the Weekly Business Hour. You can click on it, and you can not only hear, but watch the show live on YouTube. And also, another reminder, got a question, got a comment, I got a criticism, or you just have a question about your business in general, please send those questions to me. It's real easy. OneBestConsult at gmail.com. That's OneBestConsult at gmail.com. At this point, it gets real easy for you as a listener. Just sit back, grab your pad and pencil, and I encourage you, take notes as we talk about everything business right here on the Weekly Business Hour. Our special guest this week, uh, he's a returning guest from last week, is Hank Moore. Hank Moore is an author, speaker, and mentor, and he rejoins us today for the second part of our Soup to Nuts conversation entitled The Big Picture of Business. Hank's business tree is his trademark approach to growing, strengthening, and evolving businesses while mastering change. Hank advises companies about growth strategies, visioning, planning, leadership, development, futurism, and big picture issues, which profoundly affect their business climate. And you're going to hear a little bit about most of those topics in our continuation of his interview today. So I encourage you, listen and hear Hank expound on the big picture of business at least in America, that's what we're told and what the statistics bear out. Uh, 
downturns come. It's a function. Mm-hmm. It's always in motion, in my opinion, mm-hmm. up and down, up and down, or as my dad used to say, like a clock, back and forth, back and forth. Right now we're in an upturn, but downturns come. Can we just touch on briefly what lessons should we learn carrying forward and remembering so when the next one comes, as a small business owners, what are some of the key things to, we need to remember from the downturns of the recent past? That they're always going to keep coming back and that the worst of times bring out the best. One thing you could look at in Hurricane Harvey is that people came together, they supported each other, not just from a, a community nonprofit perspective, but from a business perspective. A lot of businesses helped and mentored other businesses. And it's, it would be nice, you know, it's, it's like every year when it's Christmas, we say, why can't it be Christmas every day? Uh, we say about the, the economic downturns, why can't we look at each other as a community of businesses rather than a bunch of competitors that we're out to get? Uh, that's one thing we need, to, we need to think about. As I said, the next actual recession is coming in about another five years. I don't think it's going to be as bad as the 2008-2009 because of, at least the economists will say that, that it's not as bad because a lot of safeguards are in place for communities of businesses to help and support each other. If I had to wave a magic wand, I'd like to give some hero awards to local businesses for thinking of each other as a business community. I think it's wonderful when people get active in chambers of commerce and networking groups. We were in a position before events of a couple of years ago where a lot of chambers and networking groups, um, membership was shrinking. Uh, I'm not talking about Conroe, I'm talking about other areas. And what happened as a result of people rolling up their sleeves and seeing each other more as a community of businesses, that people started getting reinvolved with business networking groups, reinvolved with chambers of commerce. I think that one of the best investments people in business can make is to occasionally reach out your hand and help someone else. None of us are in business to give all of our time and resources away, but when we do, we want to make it count. I would love, I've, I've recommended to small businesses to have a little spot in the bottom right-hand corner of their website to pay tribute to their shareholders, to their stakeholders, to their communities. When they do things in the community, it's not bragging if you've really done the good guy work. People like to do business with people they trust. Well, and I think, yes, and that's an important point you make because of building that trust through the community. But back to what you said, I want to make sure people picked up on that because the idea that you build your place in the community now so that when the downturn occurs, you are connected through a chamber of commerce, through other groups, through other businesses, so you can work with each other and help each other through those times. Well, let me ask you this. It's kind of changed uh, direction a little uh-huh. bit. Uh, businesses go bad. I mean, they just, the business, and we've talked about some of the causes of that today. What are some other reasons that businesses just go bad? Uh, there are about uh, 17 to 20 of them. A lot of times you can you can line them up with those those elements of the, of, of the business tree. They're in the wrong business at the wrong time for the wrong reason. They're underfinanced. They don't have the plant resources and management. Their technology is way beyond uh, out of date. You know, technology is a, is a term that a lot of us embrace. We love it. But technology by itself does not transform business. It's what we do with it. Same thing with training and leadership and those other wonderful programs that unfortunately businesses cut. Uh, One of the other reasons that really makes companies go bad is when they start making systematic cuts in the budget without understanding what they're cutting. What do they cut the most often? Branch four, people. Should be 28% of their emphasis in their business, but what do they cut? They cut the training. They cut the benefits. They cut all the stuff that keeps people loyal to the company. In the current economic environment and low unemployment that we are enjoying in this country right now, 
good employees that are going to be loyal to, to company X and company Y and the others are getting for, fewer and further between. So it's what you do to make the situation where they wouldn't even consider going to work elsewhere. You know, I mean, research will tell you that, or at least it told me that com- companies whose employees are occasionally la- allowed to take off work and participate in chamber activities, and that is work. That's part of work. People say, oh, you know, going off and being in a charity fun run on the weekend, that's not work. Yes, it is. It helps you represent your company. Companies that have employees that are allowed to do those things, their productivity and their loyalty, according to Harvard Business School, increases two to three times. So what's wrong with giving them a little latitude? Bigger corporations, and I've set up what we call air apparent programs for mid-managers who will then be aspiring going into the top leadership. In the air apparent program, you make assignments of which charity you're going to work with, how you're going to be visible on the, in the community. I had a client years ago, some people may have heard of, called Texas Commerce Bank, and their chairman, Ben Love, was a friend of mine. And he came to me one time and he said, uh, there's this guy on my staff and he's going to be running the show someday. Would you kind of meet with him and mentor him? And his gift to, to Mark Shapiro was having me there mentor him. And one of the first comments I said was, we need to differentiate you in the community from Ben Love. He's the champion of the arts and education. You need to be the champion of inner city revitalization and this, that, and the other. And I wrote his first three or four speeches that addressed those issues. He grew into the role, and now he's vice chairman of the board of Chase Bank. I'd say he's done pretty well. But it's because you saw these strategic resources in the company to, to be the heroes and pave the way for the other people, whereas going back to the crises, when the wrong things are done and people see bad behaviors, that kind of gives them permission to be bad also. You know, we, we all do what we're modeled. We, we, we all aspire to be what our mentors told us or didn't tell us. It's better to tell people the positive stuff. And that's, that's the reason why you do this is to cut the, the losses. You're trying to keep those six coins from stacking up. High cost of doing nothing, by the way, is an average. That businesses will spend an average of six times more every year cleaning up problems. Now, if you did a lot of these other things, keep those coins from stacking up. That's what you're trying to do. It, it has to do with cost savings, time, market share. Uh, you know, you're just looking for ways to be a better company. And a better company is going to be more profitable and, and more creative. Which, to me, defines success. You know, so people listening don't think this is all about the big corporations and, and Hank uses these corporations. Yes, he's addressing their issues, but many times, and I, I've been able to do this myself for myself and my clients, take the, what happens in a big company and bring it down and, and look at your own small company. Quick story, last Friday, this past Friday, I'm in a barbershop. Guy who cuts my hair is the owner and he's got three other people working for him. They were getting ready at the close the shop at the end of the day and go to a community event together. And he made a comment and he said, man, I'm tired. I don't want to, you know, this and that. He was telling me, you know, about it was for raising money for a baseball team, little league team or something. And one of the other barbers, a lady, she overheard what he said. He says, wait a minute, you need to get up for this. This is a company event. And and he says, well, I wondered y'all are getting all fixed up, you know, doing their hair and everything because everybody had left but me. And she reiterated, she says, no, I represent the company. And I'm going to this dinner. It was a dinner and an auction. And he had bought a table and, and took the people to work with him. And she's now three times better a barber and seen as such by the customers to where she wouldn't consider going somewhere else. And you know that barber and beauty shops 
are constantly recruiting people with books of business the same way law firms and accounting firms create uh, additional uh, revenue stream by going after people that are known from other companies. It's, it's just you want, we in business want to do work that we're proud. That's the other issue. One of my other chapters in, in the books covers the 20 things that people do, why people work, why they do good work. And money and getting paid for your time is only one of the 20. The rest have to do with pride and workmanship, association with a company that occasionally does good guy things in the community. Again, none of us are in business to give it all away, but when we do, we want to make it count. And what do we really give away most of the time? Our valuable time and our, and our expertise. You know, I used to serve on boards of nonprofits anymore. I don't do that anymore. I go and speak to and advise those boards so they'll realize how to be better board members. You know, we've all got talents. We all give talents. And as you know, the last time I was on the show a couple of years ago talking about my book, Nonprofit Legends, you know, nonprofits often, and the, what they do, become the face of the company. Certain companies get associated with certain causes. And it's the art and the skill with which they turn it into business. There are people... Uh, in the business community, small businesses uh, in the greater Houston area whose business is benefited because they were so visible during Hurricane Harvey, helping neighbors who turned into customers. Right, and there's a certain element of sincerity in that that you have to produce when you when you do that. But my, my story about the barbershop, I don't want anybody listening to this video cast, live presentation, and to discount the fact that your business is too small, that in this case, the working owner, three employees, and one of those employees in particular spoke out and said, I care. I am going to be representing the company at this event. So it is important. Mm -hmm. If you have one employee, particularly one or more, make sure that you've got them right, the right person, the right job, all the things we've talked about today because it does pay off, because they are a public face of your company in particular situations. So let's talk about, Hank, if we can, you talk about change, and we talked about it early on in our first uh, of the series, and how people in general, of course, you and I agree, we don't know the psychological, but people uh, object to change. But I have a business, and I want to grow that business, which means I have to have change. That's just built in. No way to do it otherwise. How can I, as a small business person, how would you recommend that I manage change in the most effective way? For one thing, you have a, you have a part of your plan that deals with the changes. Um, you know, what a company, one of the biggest problems that a lot of companies have is they're changing too fast situations out there are changing too fast out of their control. You need to be able to manage. Uh, research tells us that 66.7% of companies cannot grow any further than they are now. And so ch unbridled change for the sake of growth, 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 you know, you look at, at companies that have, you know, they've merged with someone else and maybe the merger didn't work out and maybe it was time to spin off. Uh, and, and sometimes you've got to be prepared to change. Uh, I worked with, with uh, some companies that were better off as part of a roll-up than they were working together. I had a lot of friends who, during a certain period of time, they're they in an industry called analytical instruments. You know, every uh, chemical plant is, is guided by analytical instruments. And what started happening was chemists who were on staff were creating these technologies, and next thing you know, they were in businesses to provide those to companies that they had retired from working at. And then at some point, we had to realize, and, and I had to help make them realize, that their business was no longer making tubes and boxes it was becoming a consulting organization. 
And I said to these, these people, they were chemists of the old school, oh, we're scientists and we tell people how to, to utilize our technology. I said, no, they're going to respect you more if you charge them how to do it. I don't think Arthur Anderson gives their work away for free. I don't think that, uh, you know, some of these technology groups, I had been involved with Hewlett Packard in creating their technology arm. And it, then it got spun off into its own thing. You know, people just need to realize that the growth that you're enjoying is not going to last. It's going to change. And it may get to where it's too much growth and you've got to know when to, to back off, when to, uh, uh, you know, certain mergers aren't going to work. Or occasionally, what products to spin off. One of those analytical companies, we had to realize that we had to split our products into different companies, the ones that had to do with oil and gas and, and liquefaction and all of that became one company, and then everything that had to do with water and downstream flow of all that then became a separate thing. And if we, if and it all started because I said, you guys are too complicated and too big. It's now time to break into smaller companies. And they were kind of relieved getting that advice. You know, and these were not large corporations. A lot of them were mom and pop type companies. And it was a relief knowing that maybe it was time to try something different. The change was happening whether they wanted it or not. Right. And part of the change was them being too big, needing to get smaller. Yeah, and I can imagine that is a major, major change, so to speak. One of the things you talk about in your books, and you and I have talked about, is customer service. And, of course, that topic gets kicked around in, in almost every business meeting, or not business, but, I mean, in, in any kind of business group where business people are just discussing their business. It's always a complaint about can't find people to deliver the service, whatever. It's at an all-time low. How can it be reinfused back into business? How can we truly change our customer service other than complaining about it? Well, is for one thing to take the, the focus away from, oh, that's so-and-so down the hall. Uh, that's their job to do that. Those, those kids that are sitting there on those phone lines, they're at that call center, that's their job. No, the, the, there needs to be a customer focus customer service mentality uh, in everybody's job description. I would like to see, and I've written about that in the books too. By the way, I mean, you know, there's a formula to these books. There's something about each of these topics in each book. And, you know, whereas some people only write about one of those topics in their book, I'm trying to write about them from the big picture perspective. In my professional opinion, uh, customer service in our society is an all-time low, and it's getting worse. And part of it is because there's a presumption that somebody down the hall, that's their problem, that's their issue. I think that every employee of a small business needs to have their own strategic plan. And if their job description talks about, I will be more successful when I have contributed to the customer status of our co company, I will be successful. And then they will talk in the job description. I advocate what's called a performance uh, uh, review-oriented description. Uh, it's not one I thought up. It's, it's uh, some very smart HR people have thought it up. But it basically ties every decision to a customer outcome. Uh, the current management philosophy in business, the problem with a lot of people in business is there usually two management styles behind? You know, uh, some of the larger corporations are still living in the captain of industry style of business, which went out of style, that style, management style went out in the 1920s. The current management style is called customer-focused management. There's a chapter about that in the book. <clears throat> and it takes the premise that every management decision needs to be tied to a customer outcome so that no longer is customer service dial and smile down the hall or something that we farm out to, to India. It's something that every business decision factors in. And you start talking about customer outcomes with a company. What about companies that we're trying to acquire or team with? 
What about everybody in our supply chain? You know, in total quality management, we talk about uh, the the seamlessness of the business offering and the experience, meaning that every supplier and vendor who works with you should be on the same page. Uh, I just recently spoke back in March, uh, and I was the opening keynote at the International Total Quality Management Conference, and this year it was held in San Antonio. And what the, the message was quality is not just something that's role and function. It's not just something where you, you look at numbers and judge productivity based on somebody's metrics. It's how did those people come to refer business back to you? How did you get people, everyone wants likes on, on the internet. Everyone wants recognition. What are you doing to get those reviews symbolically as part of your corporate culture? And, and, and the more you think about it and plan about it, you're going you're gonna to do that. You know, you know who I think does that probably very well is the nonprofit community. I wrote about that when I did that book. I think, and I said when I was talking about that subject on the show a couple of years ago, if small businesses would be more nonprofit-esque and nonprofits would be more business-like, and that there was somehow a marrying of the two, it would be unbeatable. And, and meaning that small business has a heart and soul of, of doing well. We have, one of the things that Silver Foxes that we've done is we've judged in that Better Business Bureau awards program. And I've judged about 30 different awards programs for different organizations over the years, including the Malcolm Baldrige Quality Award. And I find, as a judge, and I know that you've judged those entries before, every time you read one, you learn something. Every time you learn something, it gives you an educational idea that you can impart to a client. Sometimes we teach people uh, what we've most recently learned. You know, your, your best ideas come from something you just learned, and you just can't wait to teach it to other people. Uh, I learned that when I was 12 years old, and the person I learned it from was Eleanor Roosevelt. You teach people what you most recently learned. But when you you think of the broader issue of customer service, how it, it it's the umbrella to everything. It's part of the big picture of business. It's not just a subset of Branch 5, business development. And you think of it that, then you think of all the other parts, uh, components, you can't have good customer service without having good products, good logistics, good good follow through. I was involved uh, with a group. You know, I give these case studies. Obviously, I don't talk about the bad ones that don't listen to me. Uh, but I was working with a group of trucking companies, and they were part of a national association. With the explosion of the internet and just-in-time deliveries and all of that, someone has to deliver all those packages. They're not all delivered by drones, and they're not all delivered by Amazon. So the importance is all of those local trucking and logistics companies started putting their resources together. And how can we be better at delivering what we're doing? I was conducting a management retreat for them down in Atlanta, Georgia, and, my, and I, I gave him this barrage of suggestions. Uh, why are we surprised of that? And one of the things I said was, why can't anybody go on your website and get pricing? If I can go on a utility company's website and get comparisons of rates, you know, for electricity, why can't you tell people what it costs to ship packages? Your competitors can't. USPS can't. Amazon can. Why can't you? Oh, we never thought of it. That's customer-focused management. And then we did more research and found out that customers had been begging them just because some guy shows up for a seminar and is helping them with ideas. I later found out that other people had made the same suggestions. No one listened to them. So those are the, those issues. Customer-focused management 
is not just a management style, it's a mantra. Well, we're winding down in this series. Yeah. I appreciate all the time you've devoted to us and yeah. really carried us from soup to nuts. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you interviewed that, uh, excuse me, enjoyed that uh, continuation of our soup to nuts conversation with Hank Moore on the big picture of business. Uh, we're going to take our bottom of the hour breaks shortly, but before we do, I want to let you know if you are interested, uh, something cued your interest with the interview, or you want to talk to Hank or reach out to Hank and talk about some of the things that he can do for your business, just simply go to his website, hankmore.com. Doesn't get any easier than that. That's hankmore.com. What's coming up in the second half of the show? Well, I think we've got a great businessman on the street interview. It'll feature an interview with Clay McCollar, an attorney with Knighton and Stone. Clay will be speaking at an upcoming Woodlands Chamber presentation entitled Avoiding Liability Through Entity Formation. Uh, it's more than when you form your company. You need to maintain and take care of your entity to make sure it's the best place for your business to be. And our one consult tip of the week, what is your network missing? I think you'll find this a little bit intriguing, but also very, very helpful in your networking activity. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Not sure who to turn to when you have a problem in your business? Listen to the weekly business hour on Lone Star Community Radio. Lone Star Community Radio is ready for the summer. If you or anyone you know is looking for a summer internship, Lone Star Community Radio is a great place to learn the radio and TV business. Contact the station at info at IRLoneStar.com or call the station's message line at 936-647-3776. Lone Star Community Radio offers a great opportunity to those interested in learning about the radio world. An estimated 1 in 10 births will result in a neonatal intensive care stay, also known as the NICU. Overnight, a family can find themselves and their newborn baby in a critical situation. The Mila Foundation financially and spiritually assists families in need. If you would like to volunteer or become a monthly sponsor, please visit us at www.themilafoundation.org. Again, that's www.themilafoundation.org, because every life matters. Hey, Montgomery County and online listeners. Thank you so very much for checking out Jazzy Vibes with Soul. What? You haven't done so yet? Well, you've got to tune in. Hi, I am the host of Jazzy Vibes with Soul, Miss C.C. Holmes, and I invite you to check us out every Friday and Saturday from 7 until 9 p.m., where you will get the best in old-school R&B, and of course, a little smooth jazz to make it jazzy. So tune in. That's right, tune in. Every Friday and Saturday, right here on Conroe's 104.5 and 106.1 FM or worldwide at IRLongStar.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again for joining us in today's show, and I want to remind you, in case you missed the first part of the show or you'd like to re-listen, every show is available on videocast and podcast. They're posted all over social media on Facebook. They're posted on YouTube. We have our YouTube channel, The Weekly Business Hour. So I encourage you, if you want to share that uh, information with a fellow business person, that you can do that as well. So remember, the podcast, videocast are typically posted on Wednesday following the live show on Monday. And I also want to thank our sponsor, OneBestConsult.com. That's the number one, BestConsult.com. That is a website and a business community made up strictly of small business owners. It's a place where you can go and share your challenges, ask questions. Peer-to-peer -peer is what it's all about, as well as I offer my mentoring and advising services to those who would like a more one-on-one -on -one environment. So I encourage you, visit one, the number one, BestConsult.com. Well, now we have our businessman on the street, and I think you'll particularly enjoy this. Uh, I had a great interview, I believe, with Clay McCollar. Clay's an attorney with Knighton and Stone, and he'll be speaking at an upcoming Woodlands Chamber presentation entitled Avoiding Liability Through Entity Formation. If you're within the Montgomery County area, I encourage you to check this out on the woodlandschamber.org. That's woodlandschamber.org. That presentation is coming up. 
and I encourage you to check out and possibly attend because there's a lot more to entity formation than just when you start your business. It's something I believe, and Clay will explain why, you need to maintain or keep your eye on throughout the life of your business because things change, tax laws changes. So I encourage you to consider attending the lecture that Clay will be uh, hosting and let you know. Q&A follows, and he told me Q&A is a big part, lots of questions. So you can put some questions together about your particular situation and take them to the event. So now I encourage you, sit back and listen and or watch the interview with Clay McCollum. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm with Clay McCuller of Knight and Stone today. Clay, I appreciate you taking time to join us. You bet. Thank you very much. Uh, this segment of Businessman on the Street. And we're going to be talking about, uh, you're going to make a presentation at, uh, in connection with the Woodlands Chamber uh, in one of their educational series. So uh, tell me a little bit about that particular program. Sure. It's going to be May 23rd uh, from 9 to 11 in the morning at the uh, offices of the Chamber. Here in the Woodlands, uh, we're going to talk about entity formation and liability uh, and the liabilities that exist in, within, and, and around certain entity structures and really how to protect the owners and the managers of those entities from those liabilities. That sounds like a very important topic. Uh, my first question would be if it's about formation, if I'm already in business and I have an entity, uh, tell me what's valuable or could be valuable for me to attend the seminar. Well, it depends. Uh, so really what we look at, we look at our, is the entity structure for asset protection? Is it there for protecting the operations of the entity? Uh, or you know, maybe there's tax considerations that you may not want to be in a certain entity. Maybe you want to be in a different entity structure. And so there's ways around that. Uh, we'll kind of talk about those generally, but uh, those are certainly deep, specific uh, questions. Uh, but, but certainly those are considerations that we need to think about. You know, you mentioned questions, and that's mm -hmm. one of the things I really feel is great about the series that the Woodlands Chamber put on is that there's always a good period of time left for questions. So if you're thinking about attending this seminar, come with some questions that you might have about your entity, your structure, things you might have heard, uh, the recent tax act. I know changed some tax considerations. Definitely. Uh, they had a program about that at the Chamber earlier this year. Uh, so I think there's a reason to check in on my entity uh, from time to time. Do you have any advice to someone how often they should take a look, talk to their attorney, uh, possibly CPA about their entity? Well, certainly uh, every year you're going to talk to your accountant, and so that's certainly a good time to sit down and talk about not only where you currently are in your business, but really where you want to be. Uh, sometimes we talk about exit strategies. Maybe you want to uh, transfer your equity in a business to the next generation. Maybe you want to think about merging with a company. And so we need to think about structure. How are you structured? Because there's certain structures that are favorable to mergers, uh, whether that be with a public company, another private entity. Uh, so some of those things that we're going to talk about relate to that. Yeah, and one of the things that I know in, in, in my practice of mentoring and, and advising people is that if you're going to start, your exit strategy, if I have my preference, starts when you first stay in business. But if you're mature, and been in business for a while, don't wait till the very end, right, to Correct. have those discussions. Usually we recommend two to three years out is really when you need to start thinking about that. And, and with small businesses, typically you know, they run a lot of personal assets through the business, which isn't necessarily wrong, but that's not very favorable when you're trying to sell a business or transition a business. So uh, those are things you need to think about. Certainly you know, we want to make sure that the structure is correct for what you're doing. Uh, maybe it's a high risk, high liability uh, industry that you're in, we want to make sure you're in the right structure. And so those things evolve over time, uh, but we, it's best day one before you, you know, form your entity or you're thinking about getting into business or you're thinking about owning real property. Well, it's better to own that within an entity or certain types of entities. And we'll certainly talk about that in the presentation. Yeah, I think that's wonderful advice. I had a client recently who built up a business over 15 years, wonderful business. And they got down to the exit part, and even though we talked on an ongoing basis, they never, they never uh, pulled the trigger, if you will, to make it happen. Right. And then they end up they're not going to be able to sell their business uh, based on that they want to exit, and there's certain reasons for that. So you end up at the end, and you're holding the bag, right. so to speak. Well, and I think our job as attorneys is to really set the entity up and make sure that the owner or owners are comfortable with the structure. An owner's highest and best use is whatever operations that they're going into, whether that be manufacturing, professional services, 
They don't need to worry about the legal side, but they do day one. They need to make sure that it's structured properly. Do you have all the right documents in place? Did you set up a corporate uh, bank account? Uh, do you have a company agreement if it's an LLC? Do you have bylaws if it's a corporation? If it's a corporation, have you had annual uh, meetings? These are things that typically in small businesses aren't occurring. And we're finding that to be very problematic because if they get sued, they think, oh, I'm a limited liability company. I have limited liability. There's no way they can come after me personally. They can. Uh, and our job is to make sure from day one you're set up so that that doesn't happen. Set up and maintain. That's right. That's uh, right. That's very important, I think, uh, based on, again, some personal experience yes. working with some clients. Well, let me ask you this. Right now, 2019, what's the most popular entity choice for small businesses or people who are trying to form small businesses? It's typically the LLC. Uh, I call them corporations by contract. LLC is a very... A small threshold to set up with the state of Texas, but the beauty is you can run it as a as a true corporation. You can have CEOs and presidents. You can make it very really flat. You can make it very easy to manage with just members or managers, uh, and it's very fluid. It doesn't require annual meetings like a traditional corporation does, so it's easier for the business owner to focus on their core competency. Uh, and so we typically utilize the LLC. Obviously, L. Uh, Corporations, limited partnerships, a little bit more tricky. Uh, and again, in the presentation, we'll talk about that. Well, let me ask you this. If I do choose the LLC, which is what I see in my practice, uh, what, are, what disadvantages are there uh, potentially in the LLC choice? Really, there's very few. Uh, it's really hard to uh, mess up the LLC in terms of its structure. Uh, what we find is that people will have maybe... Somebody will go out and set it up on their own, or they'll utilize an online service. Well, the problem with that is every state mandates a minimum set of requirements to set the entity up, but that's not enough to really protect you individually from liability. And so that's where we see a lot of people make mistakes is, well, I'll spend a little bit of money online, I'll set this entity up, and I'm good to go. Well, that's not really the case. There's a lot more to it. Um, we see a lot of issues with contracts not being signed properly in terms of are you a manager of an LLC? Are you a member of an LLC? Uh, and really the interaction of, you know, are you going to add people in the future, right? We, we want to make sure we understand the full game plan. That's where a lot of people mess up. Uh, and, and with an LLC, we can create that structure up front. So if you spend time with your attorney and say, here's kind of where I want to go with that, we can set that up from day one so that you're not back in our office, you know, every year uh, having to amend a document. And so I think uh, at the end of the day, that's really... The downside of the LLC is there's such a small threshold to set it up, but most people don't understand, well, there's a few other requirements needed to make sure that you're focused in the right direction. What I hear you saying, and I think it's important, it's simple on its face, but don't let that fool you. Right. Uh, and I think that's, that's wise advice to people because reality is if you're going to start a business, I would assume your intention is to build the business and either sell it or somehow monetize it. And if you don't do it right in the beginning, or you, and it's mm -hmm. you know for a little extra time, a little extra money, then at the end of the, you know. Well, there's tax considerations, and that's what a lot of people don't understand is with the LLC, it's very flexible. Uh, we can do a double taxation like a corporation. We can do a pass through like a partnership. There's a thing called an S corp that people get very confused on, uh, and so those are things that we need to go through and make sure is it set up properly. Right, uh, depending upon cash flow, depending upon how much you may pay yourself, if you own it 100% in terms of the entity, there are certain things that we can do on the tax side that are very beneficial to you. Um, make, make sure that we set it up as an LLC. We don't have those advantages necessarily with uh, a corporation or maybe a limited partnership. So again, the LLC is the most flexible entity. That's why we see it. Uh, but the downside is people don't understand you know, that there's a little bit more than the minimum requirements to set it up. Come talk to us, talk to an attorney, make sure that you set it up properly from day one, and then you really don't have to worry about, you know, personal liability and things like that within the business. Yeah, and I, and I think what I hear, it's, and it's most important to, and I'm conveying and why a program like this is so valuable, uh, is that the, the entity formation or the type of entity you choose to operate under, it's an important part of your business. I mean, yes, you might only do it once and then build your business over 20-plus years, and it works. But from time to time, you need to be checking it. I always advise my clients to talk to their attorney once a year, just have a 
conversation right. about what their business is doing, what it's about, not just for the entity, but for other considerations. Uh, I think that's very important, uh, but so many folks overlook it. How can you encourage or how would you encourage people to do this? I mean, to, to spend the time and effort and do the right entity and then maintain it. Well, it's like, uh, it's like most of us go to the doctor every year and we get a checkup. It's the same thing with an entity. Give us a call once a year. Spend 30 minutes on the phone saying, hey, Clay, here's where we, where we are. Here's where we want to go next year. Do we need to consider anything? Right? Or we're going to add more people. Uh, we're going to add new investors. Are they passive investors? Are they going to be active members in the company? Those things all dictate structure. They dictate tax, tax considerations. So we need to kind of sit there and see where you're going. The worst thing to do is to call an attorney after the fact and say, hey, we just acquired a company. Or, hey, uh, we just hired 50 individuals. Okay, well, that would have been nice to know beforehand because it can be a lot easier to change structure or change you know, tax considerations than after the fact. And so really, once a year, spend half an hour, an hour with your attorney kind of doing that same thing you would with yourself, going to the doctor, just to check up. Right. Here's where, I, where we were, here's where we're at, uh, and here's where we, where we want to go. And that attorney can really help you, a seasoned attorney can certainly help you with structure, you know, and making sure you don't miss something along the way. Uh, it's better to be proactive than reactive. Reactive costs a lot more money than being proactive, to be quite honest. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I, I hope you will consider coming to this workshop. Uh, I think there's a lot you can learn, uh, taking a couple hours out of your day. Uh, at least it would hopefully generate your interest to be a little more involved with your entity. And Clay, you want to give people the detail about where it is one more time? Sure, again, it's uh, May 23rd from 9 to 11 at the Woodlands Chambers offices. Clay McCollar, really appreciate you taking time to yeah, be with pleasure. us on Businessman on the Street. Thank you so much. All right, thank you very much. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Clay McCollar. And again, I want to remind you about that upcoming event if you're listening live to us. Uh, it's The name of the event is Avoiding Liability Through Entity Formation. Uh, it's scheduled for May 23rd, uh, and it's from 9 to 11. And if you want to register or get some more information about it, you simply go to Woodlands Chamber. That's woodlandschamber.org. All the information is there. Click on events in the upper right-hand corner. I would encourage you, if your goal in your business is to grow your business, strengthen your business, and have a business that will support you and your family in the years to come, I would take the time to go to this session and also come prepared to ask questions about your particular situation. Well, now we're going to go to the one best tip, excuse me, one best consult tip of the day or the week or the month. Networking, what have you missed? in your networking. Uh, you know, networking is an interesting thing. We talk about it. We were really lucky to have Stacy Harris join us of the NIA Network. She's one of the best networking people uh, that I've ever met in my career. And there's some do's and don'ts. But I was thinking about this topic and doing some reading last week. There's a lot of information, and sometimes there's an overload. And I find networkers really fall into two groups. Either they come prepared for the event or Unfortunately, most of the time, it's kind of shoot from the hip. Uh, if they if they go to the event, and that's a big if, if, if they go to the event, they come really unprepared of how to approach and get something from the event that is beneficial to them and their business. So I've got three ideas for you. First of all, do your homework. Approach each networking opportunity as a real opportunity for you and your business. And that means think about the group you're meeting with, what kind of people, if you've been to the networking group before, it's a, a BNI or an NIA, one of those type of groups that you attend on a monthly basis or even weekly basis, be prepared. Do a little bit of thought, uh, thinking, if you will, excuse me, thinking before you attend the, the event. Put some thought into it. Uh, if you're going to an event where you know that certain people are going to be there, okay, who do I want to talk to? What do I want to talk to them about? If it's an ongoing conversation, where are we in the conversation? The point is you're trying to make a two-way connection at these events. You're trying to connect with an individual or a group of individuals, and you've got to go into that situation prepared because if you are prepared, right, you're more likely to walk away with some success. The second thing is, and this is one I can't overemphasize. I work with clients on this all the time. 
Remember the 48-hour rule. Point is real simple. When you make a connection at a networking event, don't let more than 48 hours elapse before you recontact that individual outside of the event. If it gets past 48 hours, and let me tell you, they've had so many studies that prove this, people begin to forget. Yes, at 72, they might sort of remember, but when you get past there, the point being is 48 hours keeps you in the middle of that conversation in the other person's mind. So be sure you calendar and follow up with any connection you make in a networking environment. And last, know what you really want out of that networking uh, event. Know what your objective is. For an example, am I going into that event and I want to walk away with three connections? Think through that. Think how you're going to do it. This is part of doing your homework, but the key is commit to what you really want out of the event because you've got to go into that event and be sometimes a little aggressive. Don't be afraid to walk up to people. Don't be afraid to walk up to a group of people. You've got to create and start that conversation. Use that opportunity. Use the valuable time that you've committed to the event and walk away with something that can lead to more success, growth, and strengthening of your business. Try that mindset on. Try to see if you can go into your next event with a mindset, I'm going to prepare. I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to follow up with every connection I make within 48 hours, and I'm going to know what my objective is and what I really want to happen at that event. What part of the conversation do you want to have at that event? If you'll commit to those things, I think you're going to find a lot more success and know what's missing from your networking efforts. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for being with us. And I ask you to put a note on your calendar to join us again next Monday right here on IRLoneStar.com where we'll have a continuation, the final of a three-part series, Soup to Nuts Conversation with Hank Moore and the Big Picture of Business. And I encourage you to look for the podcast, videocast of today's show on the weekly hour business page at IRLoneStar.com, Facebook, YouTube, and other social media sources. And again, remember to stay what's happening, stay in touch with what's happening in Montgomery County right here on Lone Star Community Radio. And until next week, I encourage you, just as myself, stay engaged and keep your focus on what's important to your business. Thanks. Thanks for checking out this show on Lone Star Community Radio, Montgomery County's community radio station. This show is owned and produced by Lone Star Community Radio and recorded live from the LSCR studios in downtown Conroe, Texas. For more information about this show, to be a guest or to sponsor, just contact the studio at 936-647-3776 to leave a message or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com.